hope you enjoy this message from St. Martin C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. A uh, campaign was launched this week to pressure businesses who didn't need the COVID wage subsidy to give it back to the government. Now, this isn't businesses that, are, you know, that, are, that were struggling and you know, needed to get through. These are businesses that made quite a healthy profit over COVID when they were projected to make a loss. And so you know, the, the, there's this campaign out there saying, hey, well, if you, if you did that, give the money back. And I think that's, I think that's fair enough. Like that's, yeah, absolutely. It's fair enough, isn't it, Chris? And, and not only is it the morally right thing to do, but I'm impressed by the people behind this campaign. I don't know if you saw them, though. I think they're on the project earlier this week. Um, Grant and Marilyn Nelson, who are a local couple here in Christchurch, they're now in, the seven, they're in their 70s. Um, but I have huge respect for these guys. Uh, they, in their younger days, uh, worked very hard. They saved uh, very hard. They saved up to buy a business. That business ended up being very successful. They sold that business in 1995. And for the last 28 years, they have been giving money away to charitable causes. Now, get this. This couple, this one couple, have given away... $50 million to charity over the last 28 years. That's pretty cool, isn't it? <laughs> and, I was, and I was reflecting on that this week, how godly that approach to life is. To, to not live beyond your means, but take every opportunity that God has given you, not only to look after your family, but to bless those around you, to make a difference in the world around you. And so we're going on a journey over the next few weeks where we're looking at that. What does it look like to live a generous life like that? And we're calling it generous living. Now, I appreciate that you're sitting there thinking, well, if I had $50 million, I think I could be pretty generous with my living and, and blessing those around me as well. I'm just trying to make ends meet here, you know. Just 50, an extra $50 would be very uh, appreciated. Set aside $50 million. But here's the thing, when you look at what the Bible teaches about the resources that we have, and especially what Jesus taught about money, we'll see that it's not actually about how much we have, but what we do with what he has blessed us with. He's not judging you on how much you have. He's looking at what are you doing with what you've been given? So we're going to sort of go on that journey of what it looks like to have a Christ-like attitude towards money in our lives. So we're going to start in Matthew chapter 6. So it'll come up on the screen or you can turn to it in your Bibles. Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to read just some selected verses through here. Jesus says this, verse 19, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and vermin destroy or where they're Thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. No one can serve two masters, verse 24. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. 
Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Let's just pick out a few things that Jesus is saying in this passage. The first of all, he's saying, think about your life, okay? Think about long-term what you're actually living for, what what are you going to do with your money? What, what's kind of the end game here? Is it just to put food on the table and, and clothes on your back, or is it more than that? If it's more than that, what does that look like? I was um, renovating, uh, we, we have a couple of rental properties, and I was uh, renovating one of my rental properties a, a few months ago, and this tradie came round and uh, He's, um, he was a glazier and he was fi- fixing this window that, that we, had been broken. So we, we got to talking and, uh, and I said, uh, you know, he said, oh, you know, what are you, you kind of aiming to do with your rentals? I said, oh, it's basically sort of retirement savings and if there's some more, I'll sort of bless my church and, and missions and things like that. And he goes, oh, oh, that's a bit weird. And I went, oh, okay, well, what's, what's your plan, you know, because I knew that he had actually some rental properties as well, and he goes, oh, no, I've got, a, I've got this plan, Warren, I've got this plan, I went, oh, yeah, okay, so what is it, and, and get this, so he's in his, like, mid-40s, he owns this business, um, I don't think he has kids, I think he's got just um, uh, uh, one wife, and that's good, isn't it, that he's got more than one wife, <laughs> but you know what I mean, he's just a couple, and um, so he goes, I've got this, I've got this plan, I'm going to work for the next five years, I'm going to sell all my properties, sell my business, I'm going to build it up, and hopefully I've made enough money, we'll get to 50. My wife and I, were going to find a villa on a Greek island, we're going to buy a villa on a Greek island, and I'll be set for life. And I said, what, you're not going to work? You don't, you know? He said, oh, I would have made enough money. I, he said, it should see us right through to till, till we die. And I says, so what are you going to do? Like, you know, you're going to sit on this Greek island. He says, I'm going to sip wine, eat cheese and chocolate and just enjoy myself. And I went, okay. You know, like, and, and I just thought, you know, and in and, and, and many ways, I kind of get that. If you, if you don't have a bigger worldview for, of God and, and the kingdom and you don't have extended family or whatever, if it's just you or just you and your wife, you think, well, what else is there to life than just kicking back and relaxing and enjoying myself? But it kind of grieved me a bit. I was kind of like going, is that it? Like, you know, like, and hey, not, not that I think sitting on a Greek island in the sun with a villa with a glass of wine and some chocolate and cheese would be a nice way to live for, the, for a few weeks, um, maybe. But after that, kind of... Personally, I'd get a little bit bored with that. So I kind of think, where's, where's the vision for, for extending the kingdom of God? Where's the vision for helping those around you? A, a complete contrast to like Grant and Marilyn, who I was talking about before, who had that vision to give their money away. As Steve was sharing before, we've got this benevolent fund at, um, at, here at school. And it's amazing, it's not just school parents that contribute to that fund, it's actually just a number of people from the community that just go, I want to just make sure that 
young children get a fantastic education and if families can't afford to do that, I want to invest in that. I want to sow into that. I think that's what Jesus is talking about here when he's talking about building up treasures in heaven. He's saying there's two ways to orientate your life. You either orientate your life where you're building up treasures here on earth, in some Greek island somewhere, or in some bank account somewhere, or whatever you do, or you're building up treasures in heaven. You're thinking about how do I bless others? How do I live for other people rather than just myself? So the big question to start off with today is, how might God be leading me to build treasures in heaven? What would that look like for you? What would building treasures in heaven look like in your context? And then the next question would be, what sort of lifestyle do you need to develop to achieve that? If you're going to invest in treasures in heaven, what would that look like? What lifestyle would you need for, to achieve that? In verse 21, Jesus said this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can have two masters. Either you hate the one and love the other, or you're devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The point that Jesus is making here is that money is a bit of a monster. It can grab your heart. And it doesn't actually matter whether you've got a lot of money or a little bit of money, either way it can focus your attention. If you haven't got enough of it, you're very focused on, oh, I just need to get more of it and more of it. And if you've got a lot of it, it can become an idol in your life and you go, oh, this is very addictive getting all this money. How can I get more of it? And when we do that, when we idolise money in our lives, when it becomes too big of a thing, when we develop a love for money, a passion that we see this as an end goal in our lives, that is a dangerous thing. Because Satan or the devil actually uses that to go, okay, now you're distracted from blessing others. Now you're distracted from the kingdom of God. I'm going to keep feeding that little monster in you, that little greed monster that you have. And that can ruin, that can ruin faith. In First Timothy chapter 6, um, Paul's encouragement uh, to Timothy is to watch out for people in the church that have fallen away because of their love for money. So this, is, this, isn't, this isn't people out in the world that he's talking about. This is people in the church. He says this, but people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are being trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Now this, this, is, this is a huge temptation for us. Like, th this may not be as big a temptation in other parts of the world, but Jesus knew he could, he could look at his culture around him and see that people had a love for money. And I think if Jesus was here in our day, in 2023, he would see the same thing and go, guys, you're so distracted by this. This is, this is the, the world that you live in where there's people that are very focused on accumulating wealth and assets and possessions, and that's, what, that's all that they live for. Don't be like that. Use money to bless others rather than use money to just build up yourself. 
and, and, and enjoy life for yourself. Now, th- this is challenging. I, for Jenny and I, we've gone through times in our lives where we've been really, really tight. I, I've, especially early on in our um, married life, I, I kind of, you know, we were very committed to ministry, but ministry doesn't necessarily pay that well. And, um, and so, you know, we, we, we devoted ourselves to God, and God never saw us we, we were never in need, but there are times that we were pretty tight, and it was very tempting in those times to go, okay, God, I just need a little bit more money, and rather than just praying into it and trusting God for it, you know, I, it, would be, it would start to consume me, and I'd go, right, okay, how am I going to make more money, and, and, and it, it just kind of grabs your heart, and you've got to grab hold of that and go, no, no, you've got you, you to push back on that. Because it just sneaks in. Or, so, you know, you see your friends or um, people around you get stuff that you haven't got and you go, oh, we just need that bigger house or we just need that nicer car or whatever. You know, we live in that, we live in that world of comparison. We live in that pressure to have more, to get more, to, 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 to feed that sort of that love for money inside of us. And here's the thing, that, the point that Jesus is making. There is a love for money actually in all of us that needs to be surrendered. Now, it may not be a big thing in your life. You might go, no, I'm pretty relaxed about it, I'm whatever. But in in our darker moments, there, there is that thing in us that would just go, yeah, if I just had that little bit more, that would be so nice. And that, that we, if, if we let it, that, that love for money would would just start to emerge in us. And so we need to be quite intentional about, about killing that, about surrendering that to God. In Matthew 19, we read of a story of this young guy that was kind of like the perfect catch. He, had, uh, you know, he, he was a good religious guy. He, he followed the Lord. He, uh, he had uh, built up a good business for himself. He, you know, he, he, was, he was a good young guy. Good-looking young guy. He came to Jesus. He said, "Mate, I've got it all together, Jesus. I'm, 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 I'm I want to follow you. I want to do everything right." And Jesus' answer to him was this: In verse, chapter uh, Matthew 19, verse 21, Jesus told him, "If you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come, follow me." But when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples kind of reacted by this and went, wow, mate, this is, that's, a, that's a really tough thing to say. But the point that Jesus is making with this young guy is there's this love for money in you that I can see, that has to die. Because if you hold on to that and you want to follow me as well, it just doesn't work. The two just don't fit together. And so the question that we all need to work out in our own hearts is to identify where, is there, where could there be a love for money or possessions or a lifestyle that needs to be surrendered for me to apprehend all that God has for me. And 
that's that's a question that you we all have to work through individually. We all have to wrestle with what that looks like. But what for you does it look like when you've totally surrendered your finances to God? And and you might say, Oh yeah, but hang on a minute, I, I give to the church, I, I tithe or whatever, that's that's my God bit, and then the rest of my finances I get to do whatever I want, right? No, 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 that's not what Jesus is talking about here, because you could still tithe all you like to the church, but you could still have a love for money in your heart. And so we'll, we'll get to talking about giving and all that, so I think Dante will look at that in a couple of weeks, but for now, what Jesus was focused on is, let's have a, t- a really good hard look at your heart, and have a look inside there and go, is every part of your life surrendered to God? Is your finances, is the whole way you orientate your life towards money, or, or what you'll get, or what you'll do with it, is that under my control, or is it under your control? Are we, tr- are we truly prepared to surrender everything to God? Now, here's what Jesus describes what it will look like when you do that. If this young guy that had come to Jesus goes, cool, I'll do that. It's all yours, Jesus. I'm, I'm following you. What he would have experienced at this point, there would have been a freedom in that. See, our hearts are bound, as, as we're praying about this morning. See, our hearts are bound by these things that, that grab us, like a love for money or trying to keep up with everybody else. We can only be free of it until we truly surrender it to God and say, God, you do what you want me to do, what you want to do with the money that you've given me. It's all yours. And here's the other thing that Jesus was talking about in Matthew 6. We'll worry a whole lot less. You know, you know, there's that thing again. It doesn't. It seems to be across the board whether you've got a, a little or a lot. It, it, it's it's weird, you know, how some people, you know, you think, oh, if if only I had a bit more, I'd worry less. But then you get more and you still worry. Why? Because there's still this thing in your heart that gravitates towards money. So you worry less. You'll discover God's provision. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in a moment. But God promises that he will provide when we trust him, when we release our money to him. And then you'll also find that God will actually bless you enough to bless other people. That's the result of when we've truly surrendered our finances to God. So that's why Jesus wraps up this passage in Matthew 6.33 saying, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. In other words, what Jesus is saying here is God knows what we need. We, we think we've got it all worked out. We may even have a budget and we've got it all kind of planned out and worked out. But, you know, we know in life that life changes. You know, you lose jobs, you get jobs, you get promotions, you lose promotions. You know, things happen in your family and you or circumstances change and you have to change house or town or whatever. Life happens, right? And in all those, you can't plan for everything. You can't insure against everything. And actually, maybe that's part of our problem in the Western world is we, we trust in our financial institutions and our insurance companies and all that sort of stuff too much. Maybe we should trust God a whole lot more. Now, hang on, let me just get this straight. I'm not saying ditch your insurance or anything like that, okay? Just, just, let's just be clear. What I'm saying is that 
our, at, the, at the center of our heart, at the center of our finances, at the center of, of our thinking around that needs to be this trust in God and, and, and what he does and how he provides. Uh, and, and he does provide. Years ago, um, this, this was the time where Ginny and I were probably a little bit tighter on our, on our finances and God called us to, quite specifically, to go to Ghana. Um, which is in West Africa for a few months to do some mission work over there. And it was going to cost about uh, between ten dollars and $12,000. We didn't know exactly sort of how much money it was going to take, but it was sort of in that sort of ballpark. So we went, okay, God, if you've called us to do this, let's, let's do that. And we were working towards it. This was before we, before we had kids. And, um, and I, the, one of the jobs I had at the time, I was working half-time for the church, but half-time I was... Um, selling underfloor heating, um, but it was a commission-only job. So um, it's interesting how you have a commission sales job. Who, who's here had just commission-only jobs sometime in their life? One or two years? I tell you what, you pray a whole lot more for your income, okay? It changes how you pray, you know, because, see, the thing is that when you're on a wage or a salary, you just expect that paycheck to come in every week. But when you're on a commission-only, you're praying in every job. So, you know, I was, I was doing that. And so we got, um, I think we left in sort of around September, October, and we got to sort of like July, August, and we had like five or $6,000, and I was like going, oh, man, this is, this is tough, you know, and, and we're praying, we go, God, you called us to do this, and, man, this is, this is going to be tight. Like, we, we'd paid for our airfares, and we didn't have a, uh, have a whole lot else, and um, there was a number of jobs that I had out there, and I was just going, oh, God, can they just, can they just come in? Well, we were about two weeks out from going, and, um, and by this stage, we're getting pretty desperate. And I got this uh, commercial job. Like, normally I did a whole lot of um, sales just to houses, and I got about $400 per house heating system that would do. So that was fine, but I needed way more than that. And um, Fisher and Paykel were extending their factory down in Mosgiel at this point. This is in the uh, mid-'90s. And, um, and we secured this contract, and I happened to just make the original contact with this guy. So my commission, and like I literally did 10 minutes work for this job, which is incredible, but I got a $5,500 commission. <laughs> I was like, ah, yes. And, and it, was, it was, it was just amazing how, you know, God had called us to do something and we could go confidently over to Ghana knowing that the money was there to do it. Even my boss at the time, he was a Christian guy, and he said, I don't know how we got that job. That's amazing. And I went, we needed that job. Trust me, we just needed that job. And I say, God has a way. And I'm sure if we opened up the floor this morning, there would be amazing testimonies all around this room of exactly that. Why? Because here's the point that Jesus is making. He will provide for those who put their trust in him. In life generally, but in particular with our finances. But let's just check our hearts today as we kind of start on this journey. Where is your life focused? Where, where is this all going? What, what's the end goal here? Is it to build treasures in heaven or treasures here on earth? Are you surrendering that love of money to the Lord? Are you identifying it in your life and going, yeah, that, there is something in there. There is that little bit of greed that just needs to be killed. And then are you 
putting God's kingdom first and seeing his provision. Now, in, in, in the weeks to come, we're going to explore more sort of what that looks like in practice. But today, my focus, and I think Jesus' focus here, is it starts with our heart first. Before we think this all through in our, in our heads and, and, and our thinking around money, let's start with our heart desires. Let's start with surrendering our finances to the Lord. So that we, yes, he's, they came from him in the first place, but we give it back to him in our hearts. In our hearts' desires, we say, God, this is yours. Now, I want to make it also a couple of notes here before we, um, as we go through this series. We as a church are not telling you how to control your finances. Let's just be clear on this. Just because maybe you've come from a background where you've heard a sermon like this before and go, oh, I know where this is going. I, I've, I've heard all this before. This is kind of the build-up to some big funding campaign or something. No, it's not, okay? There's, there's no big funding campaign. This is just us looking at what Jesus had to say about money and getting our hearts in the right place. What you do with your money has nothing to do with me, okay? I don't want to know about it. I don't want to be in control of it, and neither should I be. This is between you and God, okay? Where you come before God and go, God, help me be in a good heart space, in a good head space, in regard to the resources that you've blessed me with. Lead me as I live for you in, in blessing others with those resources. You might be here today and you're going, man, I didn't even know that Jesus had all this to say about money, but it makes a lot of sense. Excuse the pun. Um, you know, that, it, and it does. You see, the thing is that when we leave God out of our lives, we make some decisions, especially around finances and money, that are just dumb decisions because God knows how this stuff works. He understands how the world works. He understands that we've got to have a good perspective on this sort of stuff. And as we do, he can release blessing to our lives. And if we don't, he can't. And if you're here today and you're going, oh, I didn't even know that you can have this personal relationship with God that you're talking about, that he can guide and lead you into areas of life where he can shape um, your life so that you can bless others with what he's given you, then let's have a conversation. Let, come and chat to John and I after church. We'd love to let you know how you can have that relationship with God, how you can align your life with God and his purposes and his principles because it's a life that he's called you to. He knows what he's doing. God created you. You're not an accident, right? We, we were created by God to live for him. And, and that means all of our lives. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.